Hello. Hello. It's a true neutral. It's going to be a retrospective today. All right. Um, a retrospective on something that is still technically going somehow. Okay. Um, well, so. All right. So this is one of those ones where, like, I had a different thing I was thinking I was going to do. I started taking a couple notes on it. I was like, wow, this is going to take me a really long time. I don't have time to do this. <laughs> so We've all been there. Uh, earlier today, I just took a few notes on the earlier part of this, and I figured we can just talk through the rest of it, and uh, because it's something we both know pretty well. The band No Effects. Oh, okay. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so... um. I have focused the notes more on the, the musical side of things uh, as opposed to the band members' personal lives. That's fair. Um, but if you want to hear about their personal lives, go read Hepatitis Bathtub. Yeah, I was just going to say, I have read the Hepatitis Bathtub and other stories. I have read a tiny bit of it. <laughs> well, I, to be clear, I listened to it on Audible, but it's read by the band, which is pretty cool. That's neat. And, but I've listened to it, like... Six, seven times now. I should probably honestly get that. I've never <laughs> used Audible before, but if I use it for one thing, I should use it for that. Yeah. <laughs> if you've never used it, maybe I can send you a gift book. That might work. I'll try that. Okay. Um. Anyway, everyone else should also do that with their friends if they have not read the Hepatitis Bathtub. And you also should listen or read the Hepatitis Bathtub and yeah. other stories because, wow, it is a fantastic book. And listening to the band members tell it from their own thing is cool uh guest stars tommy chong and jello biafra that's neat yeah i also probably want to own a physical copy of it i would like to do that as well at some point um i love no effects just like off rip before we get into like retrospectives and talking about yeah yeah i was gonna ask that like what is your experience because uh you have a no effects tattoo on your arm i do um, surprisingly, though, I didn't find no effects until I was probably about 16 or so, I want to say. That sounds about right. Um, I, I found them through, um, Guitar Hero, of all places. Guitar Hero? The oh. first no effects song I heard was, uh, the song Sold Out, and... What a good song. Yeah, and it was on Guitar Hero World Tour. <clears throat> And me and my friends were just playing, like, the story mode. It was the first time any of us had played through that game. So we are just playing through the story mode of the game or whatever, unlocking songs. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I come across uh, no, uh, Sold Out by No Effects, and I'm playing this song, and I'm just like, what is this? This, this is amazing. This is, like, some of the best fucking music I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> and uh, from there, I went, and I think the first thing that I found was... Um, uh, the greatest songs ever written by us. Oh yeah, that would be um, a, a, an obvious find. For, yeah, which yeah. if you want to just jump in and listen to some good punk no effects music, that is a great starter album just to just to, to run into and just have some fun with. It's got a lot of really fun songs on it. It's got a couple of serious songs on it. Overall, it's it really is just like their personal like they they sat down and were like, what are the best songs we think we've ever done? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. And for the most part, they're right. Yeah, yeah, for the most part, they're right. <laughs> That's obviously subjective. So. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
Uh, I uh, had a good friend in high school uh, who's, who's dead now, so I should have listened to him a little more hmm. uh, at the time, but he was really like, dude, you would love no effects. You would love no effects. Listen to no effects. And, uh, well, I, I did at the time. I listened to um, <clears throat> Separate... The church and skate. Oh, separation of church and skate. Yeah, yeah, that's a great one. Um, so that that one I knew pretty early on. I was fourteen or fifteen, mm-hmm. and I, I knew them, and like, wow, that's fucking kick ass. But I, I never like went out of my way until um, he passed away, and so I started listening to more of like the albums that reminded me of him, mm-hmm. and uh, so. I'm sure hanging out with them, you probably absorbed some some of the other songs just oh, yeah. through osmosis, just by hearing him listen to music as well and whatnot. Oh, yeah, it happened a lot. Um, rest in peace, Mason. Yeah, uh, for sure. Lost a good one too early there. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, so when he passed away, I actually got one of his shirts, and it's a NoFX shirt. Mm-hmm. It's a weird design, because it's, like, black and white, and it's just, like, this... Like, like sludge punk skull yeah it's really cool but like i just wouldn't associate it with no effects typically yeah <laughs> anyway i i got that and i was like well i absolutely can't wear this shirt with the respect it deserves if i don't know the band better mm-hmm. so i started listening to a, a couple more albums but then uh i met you for well i didn't meet you for the first time but when we started the band yeah and you were like here you need to listen to wolves and wolves clothing yeah yeah and i was With, like okay. at the time was my favorite no effects album it's still very high up there to my top three for oh, sure yeah. it's really good and uh it really that and playing together and getting to drunk to the wrong, I'm not drunk right now, so don't know why that happened. But just that that memory, just it all came flowing back to you, and it just happened. It just came out. Yeah. Um, just being in like what is the punk rock aesthetic? Yeah. Living that for a little while, it was really encouraged me to just feel that punk rock vibe and. I've been listening to bands like uh, the Sen- the Descendants. I had one of their um, records when yeah. I had a record player, um, and Alkaline Trio. I got into when I was much younger. Um, Blink One Eighty Two obviously came around. Mm-hmm. I knew like Blink One Eighty Two. I knew Blink One Eighty Two as a very <coughs> young because of things like MTV. Blink One Eighty Two was all over MTV. Right, and of course I love Nirvana. Oh, of course. We've we've done a Kurt Cobain episode. Go back yeah. and listen to that. Yeah. It's fine. <laughs> I should really write these out beforehand when I do that. Um, yeah, huge, huge Nirvana fan. Yeah. So, um, the, I also gravitate a bit more towards, like, some of the, the more hardcore punk scene. Like, I really am into bands like The Casualties, DRI, um, even some of the people, like, some of the greats from, like, Across the Pond, you know, like, GBH and JFA and shit. Like, yeah. Like, Super good. Obviously, bands like Dead Kennedys, of Rancid. Course. When I was like, <laughs> when I was like, before I was ever into anything that was real punk, I got really into the Sex Pistols. Like in seventh grade, I wanted my hair like Johnny Rotten. No, of course, it doesn't everyone at some point in their life. Yeah, they Johnny Rotten. He looked so cool. Yeah, like they, they definitely know how to do it. That guy's a 
fucking piece of shit. Oh, now. yeah, no, he's a terrible person. But he looks, he has that aesthetic of yeah. just, like, that guy looks cool. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, I, I was already primed when I got to no effects, But I think it took me a couple years of, like, before I was fully like, oh, that's what this is. Yeah. 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 Um, um, also, Bad Religion helped. Yeah. <laughs> fucking love Bad Religion. Um, so I have one last question before you dive into it. Okay. What is your favorite No Effects album? Oh, fuck. That's so hard because I really like particular songs off of different albums. Mm -hmm. I just um, mean like overall as an album. Overall, if I'm going to put it on and just hear it out. Ooh. Um, that's so hard for me. Because uh, I really like, there's a album that came out with, with the book. I'm trying to remember the name of that one. But that and Self-Entitled, I really like. Self-Entitled is a great album. Um, it's got, the other album I'm thinking of has songs like, uh, Six Years on Dope, Trans Best Light, um. Oh, I can never remember the name of that one. I don't know why. Yeah. Anyway, it came out with the book, like, and kind of tells the stories, mm -hmm. like, in tandem. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. That's neat. Yeah. Um, mine's definitely S&M Airlines. Nice. Having listened to, like, all of them, S&M Airlines has such a good, like, Screaming for Change. Obviously, S&M Airlines, the title track. Yeah. Fucking Five Feet Under. Which is quite possibly one of the best funk songs ever written. Uh, like, Professional Crastination. <laughs> like, so many good songs on S&M Airlines. It's, it's far and away my favorite album. Hell yeah. Well, that... After years of listening to them. <laughs> Fun thing from the book is that that came out before um, Mike really did with his, like, S&M fetish. Mm -hmm. So, like, all that stuff was still embarrassing for him. He kind of just did that because like that's what he was into but like yeah you know that was a subtle i guess way to put it on yeah. there well I, I think that's just the sign of someone finding their confidence beginning to break out and show who they really are you know yeah. like but it was just it was it was funny hearing them talk about it because like that that album's the first crack in the cocoon you know yeah. that leads to the beautiful butterfly that is fat mike <laughs> Oh, man, I bet he's a little slimy. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, so, going off my notes, and I will let you all know when I go from my notes just straight to the Wikipedia page and memory. <laughs> I think it'll be evident, but I'm going to, you know, note that. <laughs> get it? Because I'm reading off of notes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Carry on. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> you should be. <laughs> Your jokes are bad and you should feel bad. <laughs> Started in 1983 with Fat Mike on vocals, bass, Eric Melvin on guitar, and Eric Smelly Sandin on drums. This foundation would drive the band to this day. Smelly would leave the band for a short time early on, but quickly rejoined after not being pictured on the band's first pressing. <laughs> I'm not going to do the whole thing like that. I'm sorry. <laughs> I was wondering what the why are you putting on a voice now? <laughs> that was my um, documentary. Where are they now? Voice. Yeah, that's that's fun. It's a good voice. <laughs> you 
You should try to do the behind the music guy. I, I don't know it well <laughs> enough to do it by memory. If I listen to a clip, maybe. <laughs> um, their name was inspired by Negative Effects, a short-lived band from the East Coast. Uh, Fat Mike never liked the name, but uh, the Eric's agreed, and they voted, and like that was yeah, that was the name. <laughs> I think one of the quotes from the book was, uh, "Whatever, it's not like I'm gonna have to live with this forever or for the rest of my life." Yeah, yeah, and here they are. Yeah. Um, with a couple LPs beforehand, their first proper album, Liberal Animation, was released in 1988, produced by Brett Gerwitz of Bad Religion. Which is pretty rad. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Um, Their first uh, single or like sh- short, the, the the one that's not an album but is oppressing. An EP? Yes. I don't know why that was so hard for me. <laughs> um, but that was uh, produced, quote unquote, by uh, Don Bowles of The Germs. And that... Uh, they they put it on there as produced because like he gave them a ride to the studio and maybe uh, gave them a little bit of studio time I can't remember for sure but he definitely was just like uh, the ride to the studio and that was the main reason he got the producer thing <laughs> on there but also produced by Don Bowles from the Germs was a good way to like hey check it out yeah yeah um uh, Dave Casillas played on this album but left the band shortly after replaced by Steve Kidweiler. Um, and that, did I say that was in 1988? I think I no. said that was in 1988. I don't know. Maybe? <laughs> I'm glad you had a lot of nice things to say about S&M Airlines, because I just have S&M Airlines came out the next year. Yeah, it's a really good album. There's, I don't know, it's got like this, like, super gritty, almost verging on grungy punk tone to it for a lot of the album, um, and... It's just very, like a lot of punk albums were back then, it's just, it's very fast, it's very in your face, but at the same time, like, it's, a lot of the songs have a lot of intent behind them. Obviously, there's a couple of songs in there that are, like, goofy fuck-around songs, like, Screaming for Change and things like that, where you can tell that, like, yeah, it's just kind of fun. Right. But there's a couple of them, like, like I said, like, Five Feet Under, um, even songs like Professional Crastination, where it's just, like, you know, they're talking about being procrastinators and, like, just how they don't want to do things because they're lazy and, like... But at the same time, there is, like, that underlying message there of, like, like you know, is that an okay thing to really do? Right. You know? I don't know. It's a great album. It's one of my favorites. Cool. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because I have very little notes on it. <laughs> In fact, that was my entire notes on it. It's just that it came out the next year. I didn't even say the year was 1989. <laughs> the year was 1989. In 1989, the album S&M had just dropped. That's all anybody cared about in that particular year. <laughs> there was nothing else going on in the whole world in 1989. 89, you had to think about it. <laughs> 1991 saw the release of Ribbed and the departure of Kidweiler. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is when Aaron El Jefe of Ada would join the band, bringing the, uh, with him a defining aspect of no effects sound, being the only member of the band that was classically trained in music. Yeah, and Jefe is an amazing guitar player. Well, before we praise Jefe too much, do you have much to say about Ribbed? 
Um, not particularly. It's one of my lesser listened to albums, actually. I don't. Mm. It not as much. There's probably a couple songs on there that I could pick out and be like, I really enjoyed these couple of songs. But overall, as an album, I it's not one I would go out of my way to put on. So it wasn't ribbed for your pleasure. <laughs> yeah, apparently not. <laughs> uh, another one that we'll get to later, I'm sure, that I don't listen to particularly much is uh, White Trash, Two Heaps, and a Bean. Ah, yeah, that's coming up. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, in 19... I already read that. Yeah. The, the EP, The Longest Line, was the first to Abeda's credit. Oh, Longest Line. It's both a good album and a good EP. Very enjoyable. Uh, during the recording of their next album, Smelly's heroin use had grown to the point that he was given the ultimatum of get clean or don't be on the album. He was uh he got clean and was featured on White Trash, Two Heaps and a Bean. Yeah. Um Smelly has been clean ever since, even as the party raged around him. Yeah. <laughs> I felt that was important to note because wow, that dude is a strong, strong man. Yeah. Um I think a fun anecdote is that uh he got the name Smelly because like he already just like wasn't showering at the time and uh like on tour and stuff, mm-hmm. wouldn't shower or like wash his clothes very much, and uh, he was also just doing a lot of acid and it's if, sweating a lot. Yeah, well, if people don't know, uh, if you do acid like regularly, your farts just stink. <laughs> they just a really smelly stink, <laughs> and that added with like, as well as like heroin use that the guys didn't know about for a while. Just led to him being a very smelly guy. So that's where Eric Smelly Sandin came from. <laughs> he just had real, real stinky acid farts. Yeah. He's one of the great drummers of our time. Yeah, he's really good. He's so talented. Yeah. I don't think I'll talk about it much, but he also does a lot of extreme sports and like has did his own like uh, motocross thing for like years. Oh damn. Like had his own like side business that was motocross, and like he was the like the first one to do like skate videos, but motorcycles. Okay. And like made that kind of a thing in the industry. Neat. Like, Sandin's got a lot, a lot of cool shit. He's really the, the boss. <laughs> the boss. Fucking kicks ass. Neat. That that the book their book is just about Smelly. It's Smelly's book. It's Smelly's story. It's fucking good. <laughs> That's fun. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. It is the band story, and you hear everybody's, like, personal struggles as they go through, but Eric Sandin's was the most interesting. Yeah. <laughs> it was real good. Related the most to Melvin, which makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you look at the dichotomy... <laughs> Oh. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. just got done to the door. Two, two heaves and a bean. Two heaves and a... Two heaves and a blah. <laughs> <laughs> um, the following album, 1994's Punk and Drublick, was released to high praise in the wake of Nirvana's Nevermind and Punk Explosion of the 90s. What has happened? Okay. Yeah, well, the punk explosion of the '90s. I just I would call it more of the grunge mo- movement that happens. Okay, but, but like as soon as power chords were on the radio, 
um, it bands started to, different bands started to get popular, and yeah. that's when like Green Day, Green Day Blink One Eighty Two, so pop punk, right? But like that was that was still like I don't think pop punk. <laughs> pop punk, pop punk. <laughs> I I don't think pop punk was really a genre until like the mid to late nineties when people wanted to differentiate between punk and what was getting on the radio now. Yeah, you know what I mean. So before that, it was just punk, and then there was the capability for pop punk, and that in and of itself is revolutionary. I suppose I've always considered the first pop punk band to be the Bouncing Souls. And they are a band that started in, like, the mid-80s. And that's fair. Like, I don't know them well enough. I'm I'm just not disputing that there definitely was pop punk before it had a label. I'm just saying, yeah. like, after punk bands got labels, that got its own label. Interesting tangent. What do you consider Green Day to be? Um, yeah. Pop punk for yeah. the most part. Yeah, yeah, that's that's what I've always said to him. People try to just tell me that they're just like, no, they're just Green Day's just regular punk. I'm like, maybe early Green Day, like Brain Stew era Green Day is, yeah. but like, no. <laughs> yeah, I I don't think there's like a a band that could keep their like full on punk title and write a song that was good in the ways that Time of Your Life was. Yeah, <laughs> that's fair. Like I'm that that's no diss on time of your life. That's no, it's yeah. a classic and legendary song at this point. Like mm-hmm. it's it's amazing. It's, it's a really good song, uh, but like the the way it ri- is written, the way it feels, doesn't feel like a punk band would write it. Yeah. But a pop punk band could. Yeah, like there's it's not like a huge distinction, but same with like, Wake Me Up When September Ends. Yeah, it's yeah. the same kind of great song. Would not expect to hear it from the Casualties. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Although to hear Jorge scream that song out I think might bring a smile to my face. It would be pretty funny. <laughs> I mean, uh, do you know the music video for that? Uh I haven't seen it in years. I do know it, but I haven't seen it in so long. Well, it's just like that sweet like looks like a Typical American town couple, small town couple. One of them goes off to war. Uh, like uh, just imagining yeah. Jorge in that role. Mm-hmm. Like don't change anything else about the music video. <laughs> just, just Jorge. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. That's really funny. Oh man. Anyway, none of that's no effects. Yeah, no, no. That's just a tangent, you know. <laughs> I was just trying to bring us back. I'm just bad at segues. <laughs> Probably because I made fun of so many people on them. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, the success brought the success of Punk and Drublick. What do you have anything to say about Punk, Punk and Drublick as an album? Um, it's really fun. It's it's one of those ones. It's like it's just a really fun album to listen to. It, overall, it's. Uh, nothing overarchingly crazy to say about it. it it's got a lot of just really fun songs on it. Oh, yeah. Um, but its success brought the record companies to the door, but the band rejected all the offers and staked their place as the uh, anti-sellout, roots-driven punks. Yeah. Because um, during that time in the mid-'90s, after uh, Kurt Cobain died and everybody wanted that... that that grungy, that punk, 
like tone the next like big one mm-hmm. record companies were signing punk bands left and right it was just happening yeah and uh pretty much like if you signed at that time you would be kind of blacklisted from certain venues mm-hmm. and those were kind of like the the cool venues yeah so you uh didn't want to do that mm-hmm. um but a lot of people did because getting paid is also nice as a person that's been in a band for damn near a decade i can say that the times we get paid for it is pretty nice that's pretty cool <laughs> that is that's a that's a rad time yeah <laughs> <laughs> but yeah so uh but in being as big as they were and like having the following that they had garnered in this time they've been a band for what it's 1994 so, so uh, they've been a band for 11 years. Yeah, well, it's producing studio albums for 11 years. Uh, well, no, producing studio albums for about uh, five years. Oh, well. Six years. Yeah. A band since 1983. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, uh, so they had been a band, you know, over that time, and, like, and they had produced, like, little stuff before their first official release as well. Yeah. So like they were they were known in the area and they would travel about and like they they didn't they weren't like super popular but people knew who they were and when they when Punk and Drublet got as popular as it did and they still didn't uh sell out to the record company it was kind of like ooh big props guys yeah, yeah. nice job <laughs> <laughs> so uh a lot of people kind of lauded them after that as like punk yeah. icons yeah um no effects first live album i heard they suck live came with a note in the liner notes we've been doing this all these years without you so leave us alone yeah <laughs> that's also a really good album um of the two live albums they have that i've listened to um that it's probably my lesser favorite, but it is still a very, very good album. What was their first one? Yeah. That makes sense. Um, so now I'll be reading bits from the Wikipedia, because that's as far as I got today. Okay. And uh, you're going to notice the smooth drop in quality, and this is why I should write these things out days in advance <laughs> instead of the day of and, like, two hours before we're supposed to start well you know and uh you know i've got oh um i should probably make a note of the fact that i have a baby on my chest at the moment also that um so that plays into how much i'm able to get done at any given moment a lot of the time (laughs) so there's there's that um but also you know if you hear any weird noises it's probably a baby or uh or a baby or my brain misfiring synapses not not connecting yeah electricity just shorted out yeah <laughs> uh, it's really not that much electricity <laughs> um punkin drublick was uh followed by 1996's heavy petting zoo heavy petting zoo that uh, is also a good album there were a couple of uh 
different artworks for this one. And uh, one of them got them banned in a couple of countries. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a quote from Fat Mike about this album here. Uh, weird record. I thought it was the coolest record when we finished it, but a few months later I wasn't so sure. Some of those songs are kind of weird. I like the cover a lot, though. I think it sold well in Belgium. <laughs> Some of those songs are kind of weird. The song Hot Dog in a Hallway is the first song on the album, <laughs> which is about having sex with a person whose vagina is huge, like throwing a hot dog down a hallway. Yeah. It's... yeah. So, yeah, to say that some of the songs are weird, you know. That's, yeah. That's but good, um, this album fit. actually does have one of my all-time favorite no effects songs on it. And that is... <laughs> it's uh, Freedom Like a Shopping Cart. Ah. I love the message of that song. and just... Like an abandoned shopping cart? Yeah, well, it's, yeah, Freedom Like a Shopping Cart. Like, yeah, a shopping cart that's just been left on the side of the road. Like, it got away from the daily toil of doing what it's supposed to do and being a shopping cart, but is it truly free? It's just a shopping cart abandoned on the side of the, on the side of the road, you know? That's like, great. Yeah, it's just in a ditch now. Like, and is that good? Is that yeah, better? right. Um, and that that message, that song just resonate with me. It always has since I first heard it. I'm like, yeah, freedom oh, like yeah. a shopping cart. And that's a saying that I use a lot, too, in my in my day-to-day life. So Fuck yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. good. <laughs> Um, uh, the next year, uh, they came out with So Long and Thanks for All the Fish, or Thanks for All the Shoes, sorry, I got the reference <laughs> and the actual title mixed up. <laughs> so Long and Thanks for All the Shoes is the title of this album. It's a reference to Douglas Adams' So Long and Thanks for All the Fish, I think part four of the trilogy of Hitchhiker's Guide. <laughs> this is also a really, really fun album. Oh, are you just looking up the tracks? That's I am. A good call. It, it helps me. It helps me remember exactly how. No, each that's of the a good goes. call. If I had any of this put together, I would have just had the track list put into the note taking, which would have made <laughs> sense. You know what I mean? I just copied and pasted from the, from a different site that would have had that open. I could really make these a lot smoother and better. And uh, I am sorry. <laughs> no, this is also a, another one of those really good albums, and this is. Almost one of the ones that felt to me more like them kind of trying to stake that that punk rock claim, like, we are still doing this. We have been persisting for all of these years, and we're still doing the same thing. Like, Because that theme kind of flows throughout the whole album. There's you know, songs on here like, it's my job to keep punk rock elite. Yeah. Uh, Kill the rock stars is on here. Mm. Like, um, but even other songs like uh, Kids of the K-Hole about just, oh, like, yeah. burnout kids that have done too much and they've gone too far, but they're still up just doing what they do. Yeah. Um, all Out of Angst. Uh, that's one of my very favorite songs. That's one of my very favorites from NoFX, actually, ever. The Desperation's Gone. All his suits are torn. Like, all of these songs are... Oh, and then, and then it ends with Eat the Meek, because oh, why yeah, should like... It, it just, it, this album was, always felt to me like one of those, like, yeah, those flagpole albums that, like, they threw up in the middle and they were just like, we, we're we still here. We're yeah. still, we're staking our claim to, to the punk rock. You, we, we are, we have persisted. This, like, this is us. We are part of this. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it's a great album. Fuck yeah. 
Um, Man, I didn't know I could talk about like the message of music. Like, I can't, like I apparently I knew can. You, I knew you could. <laughs> That's why I stake so much of this episode on you. Um, uh, the Decline, an 18-minute single-track extended play, which served as a fiery and cynical social commentary. Yeah, The Decline is the second longest punk song ever recorded. It's, behind Crass's 20-minute song, Taking Sides. Yeah, it's a piece of art. Truly is just, like, a piece of art. Like, to all the people, and, and I know this applies to Keenan as well, to, to, to all the people that love um, American Idiot for what it was, for truly, like, the soap opera, or yeah. the, the, the opera that they built it as, the play, yeah. the... The, the whole thing. It's gorgeous. It's like that, the Potentially decline. Potentially the last good thing Green Day will ever do. Yeah, de- I would agree with that. <laughs> um, but the the decline is a more punk rock version of that. It is true artwork in in my mind. It, the, the entire thing being like this 18-minute long message of of just how society has failed us and just like the state of the world and it's it's beautiful truly yeah, yeah. <laughs> truly beautiful that's great i listened to it once i've listened to it's not something that i go back to very often but i think maybe like once or twice a year i'll go back and re-listen to the decline oh yeah it's good. Yeah. I, I I definitely I've I've listened to it more than once, but like not a lot. And mm-hmm. I, I definitely was like you being like, oh, so have you listened to the decline? And that <laughs> happened a couple of times over like five years, and I was like, mm, yeah, fuck. probably right about the one time every year I go back and re-listen to it. <laughs> You're like, so you've checked this out, right? <laughs> nope. <laughs> yeah. Um. So uh, pump up the volume. In 2000, uh, it was the final album released through Epitaph, which they've been on. And uh, after that, they decided to sign with Fat Mike's own label, Fat Records. Yeah. Which was established at some point in time, but like I said, I'm focusing on no effects of the band and not Fat Rec or uh, the individual band members too much. Mm-hmm. And pump up the volume, and it's, it's, just, it's another one of those just fun albums. It doesn't have... A whole lot of, like, political, societal commentary going on or things like that, you know? You got songs like, Thank God It's Monday. <laughs> or oh, I like that one. It's a really good song. Um, Clams Have Feelings too. parentheses, <laughs> Actually They Don't. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, which is one of my all-time favorite songs. It's a great song. Both of those, Thank God It's Monday and Clams Have Feelings too, are great. Um, I guess Dinosaurs Will Die is on this album, so oh, yeah. there, there's a little bit of politicalness going on, but that's mostly talking about like the the music industry itself as a whole. Yeah, I was going to say that feels more music-related than like actual politics. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, then, you know, songs like Total Bummer, My Vagina, What's the Matter with Parents Today. Like, it's just an album of songs that were just like fun songs that yeah. fit together, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, a party album. Yeah. Probably why it's called Pump Up the Volume. Yeah. Um, the BYO Split Series Volume 3, a split album with Rancid. One of my favorites. Came they out in 2002. did some 
fun Rancid songs. Rancid did some no effects songs. I think it was five of each. It was like a ten song album. Rancid did five no effects songs. Uh, no effects did five Rancid songs. That that's just a, honestly a lot of fun. That that album has always just read to me like two friends groups get together, like two bands that are also friends get together and they're like cover each other's songs and put it out, maybe make some money on it. And they're like, yeah, that sounds like a good time. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Fuck yeah. I like your sound. You like our sound. Let's do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's always fun to hear because I'm a huge fan of both of those bands, and it's fun to hear them take each other's songs and then play them in their own style. Yeah. Um. It's it's just really it's a good time. I should seek that out. I think I'd really like that one. You, I, I've never heard that. Oh, it's really good. I highly recommend you go listen to that. Then yeah. definitely. Um. After that, it's uh 2003. And uh, George Bush has been president for a couple of years. Yes, indeed. Fat Mike hates that. Yeah, yeah, he's, he, he really hates that. So what Fat Mike does is uh, he starts the website punkvoter.com and got fuck tons of people to sign up to vote um, and released the war on errorism, mm-hmm. which is a highly politicized um, pile of songs that is one of my favorite albums. This is a an amazing album. Um, and actually, it turns out this is probably the album that I heard, or the, at least one of the songs from this album, is the very first uh, uh, song I would have heard because it was in Tony Hawk's Underground, The Separation of Church and Skate. Mm-hmm. It would have been, and so... I played all of the Tony Hawk games up until, like, Project 8. Yeah. And uh, I definitely would have heard that song. Yeah. It's it's a, an amazing... The whole album's amazing. It's very, very good. Yeah. Um, definitely, this one, as compared to, like, we were just talking about Pump Up the Volume, which is, like, a party album, this one is almost exclusively societal political commentary yeah like that's in you got songs like anarchy camp idiots are taking over franco on american my son loves franco on american he says he knows a lot of the words the irrationality of rationality which is one of my favorite song titles just ever yeah so good. good anarchy camp is probably uh like one of the top ones off this album for me oh idiots are taking over Hands oh, down, yeah. probably top song on this album for me. Fair enough. It's very good. I think I kind of over-listened to this album a little bit, so some of the songs just don't hit as hard as they used to. Right. Yeah, I feel that way about, like, Mediocore. Yeah. And like that, I'm like, yeah, yeah. It's not forsaken. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. No, this is a, it's a very good album. Yeah. Very specific message behind it. Yeah. It's kind of cool to hear them, like, have directionalized hate. Mm-hmm. Like, hearing it pointed somewhere is kind of neat. Like, uh, as opposed to the sporadic chaos that is no effects. It's yeah. nice to, like, have that sporadic, that sporadic chaos just, like, merge together and all point at one thing and go, Fuck you! <laughs> Like a laser or a Kamehameha. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah. Yeah. And imagine if Fat Mike was going to do a Kamehameha, he would just yell, fuck you. Like, that's yeah. exactly what it was. Fuck. 
The extended flimmy K sound. (laughs) (laughs) Good lord. (laughs) So, um, you can buy uh, that mic as well as uh, making punk voter this album and uh, the. Rock against uh, he sorry he compiled two <laughs> chart topping Rock Against Bush albums. It's just easier for me to read it. I was trying to make my own words. <laughs> what are you having a stroke? What is happening? I think I have three a day, and I just don't know how to speak up. <laughs> he made uh, two chart topping Rock Against Bush albums. So he compiled a bunch of albums that were uh, from a bunch of different artists. Called in a bunch of favors and made these albums. And yeah. then did a Rock Against Bush U.S. tour. So like he went he went all out on this. Um spoilers Bush won. Yeah, yeah. But uh he definitely re- got a lot of people registered to vote that wouldn't have been otherwise. <laughs> so that's I mean that's a good thing. Yeah. He he did a lot of good with the, what he did there. Yeah. But I think uh he was overall demoralized for a while because of how hard he worked for failure. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, when you work against an entire political system, that's going to happen. Yeah. It's a shame. It is a shame. An inevitable shame. But, you know, we, we're all right here with you, Mike, fighting the good fight, you know. Yeah. Not doing anything to fight the fight. We're just talking I, shit. I write songs sometimes, <laughs> you know. They mean something, maybe, to the people that hear them. We talk shit on a podcast and practice, like, once a month if we're lucky in our band. Yeah, well, we got to get that going. We got stuff coming. (laughs) (laughs) Um, February 2005, um, the 7-inch of the month club, uh, subscription-based service. um, Yeah. It was an EP from February 2005 to March 2006 with 12 releases. So that's pretty fun. Yeah. Yeah. I remember hearing about that. I always thought that was really cool. Yeah. Um, the EP Never Trust a Hippie was released mm-hmm. on March 14, 2006. Uh, and it was followed by an album that we kind of started this all off with, Wolves and Wolves Clothing, mm-hmm. which um, has inspired our band to this day, if I'm being honest, because that was... Well, like the first album, Derek was like, "Hey, you need to listen to this because we're gonna be in a band." And I was like, "Here's some bad religion," and he was like, "Okay, okay, I'm not a big bad religion. <laughs> <laughs> not gonna lie, not even. I'm not gonna beat around the bush about it. <laughs> Take them or leave them. Not a huge bad religion fan. I like bad religion, but uh." It's okay, because I did the same thing with Sublime, and that was the reaction I got from Keenan. So, yeah, you yeah. know. To be it, fair, I just kind of overdid Sublime at the at the wrong time, and now it all sounds like one big ska. <laughs> There's still some songs I really go like and go back and listen to, yeah. but like overall it's just... So I've always considered Sublime more on the punk 
reggae side than in ska. To me, ska this is like we're gonna talk about Streetlight Manifesto. We're need gonna talk more about, members and more horns. I yeah, get it. But. So, uh, like real big fish, uh, mighty mighty boss tones, the cherry pop and daddies. Like those are ska bands. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. But... Ska bands have such fun names. <laughs> Voodoo Glow Skulls? Are you kidding me? Ah, <laughs> like, oh, such fun names. Fair call. Um, but yes, Wolves and Wolves Clothing is... It is an album that's got... It's got that message... Like you were saying, like he, you can feel the disheartened, the dismay um, in, in this album. This album feels like... Uh, it's it's him persisting, but at the same time, it also feels like it's got this quality of why are we still trying right. about it through pervasive throughout the whole album, yeah. and it's got this this beautiful melancholy to it that is like, like very a, like a fuck you through tears. Yeah, yeah, and it's very undertoned throughout the album, but it's definitely there, and you can yeah. feel it as like. That is the undercurrent. That is what the album is about, even though that's not at surface level what this album is about. Right. And, yeah, it has always struck this very deep, deep chord within me. Like I said, it's, it's up in my top three albums even still. It's probably my number two album. Yeah, it's... it's so good. Fantastic. It's a, like, overall, um, some of those songs really, like, it was the right one to show me. Because it was just like it has a lot of things I resonate with, and a lot of things that I was like actively trying to learn more about at the time. Mm-hmm. Can I just look through the track list? You got it right there. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna say there's songs like Doornails, um, the man I killed, the man I killed, um, leaving Jesus Land. God, I love that song. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, USA Holes as well is one of my very favorites just songs generally, <laughs> generally speaking the marxist brothers yeah yeah one another one of my all-time favorite songs we march to the beat of indifferent drum yeah and then it's got fun songs on it you got it's got really fun songs on it you got like cool and unusual punishment is mm-hmm. on here Benny Got Blowed Up is on here, which I guess is a sad song but it's a fun it's, song it's a fun sad song <laughs> yeah. um alone the sixty percent reprise. Sorry, the sixty percent reprise at the very end, where they're just talking reprise. about um, how they've been doing this for years and years and years, and they won't pretty much probably won't stop till they're dead, kind of thing. Yeah, um, it's a, it's beautiful. It's a sadly beautiful album. Fucking love it. Yeah, uh, just the the idea that they're p- persistent at sixty percent ought to like kind of <laughs> solidifies that idea yeah yeah really really good album um and apparently the song wolves and wolves clothing was on the ea sports nhl 07 really yeah interesting i didn't know that and kill all the white man another great one was oh. in the action movie crank really i don't remember that yep that's uh yeah that's apparently a thing that's like when you start thinking about basketball and you remember that Real Big Fish was playing the stadium for the basketball game and you're like, wow. <laughs> Scott could fill a stadium at one point. Yeah. <laughs> I think um, they were just the musical number. but 
It's funny that Matt and Trey got them to play. Yeah. Um, January 2007, uh, they recorded what would eventually become They've Actually Gotten Worse Live, released in November of 2007. Yeah, that is that's such a good live album. Fun little, like, witty banter bits in between songs. Um, some of my favorite songs are on that particular album, and they mess around with a few of them. They play them in, you know, sped-up ways, slower ways. Like, they they were just having a lot of fun. It's a compilation over the course of three days. They did, like, yeah. three different shows over three days, and they took the best recordings from each one and compiled them into this live album. And it's very, very good. I love it. Yeah, it's a... It's a live album. Yeah. Yeah. It's good. Yeah. The live version of Whoops I OD'd is probably one of the best things ever. Yeah. It's so good. Fuck yeah. Um, so in 2007, they launched a world tour um, that would be uh, the basis for the show uh, Backstage Passport. Mm-hmm. And I personally have watched both seasons so to speak of backstage passport multiple times i actually never did see any of it oh it's it's a lot of fun it's definitely like um they had a lot of complaints like the band had a lot of complaints and the band and the crew did because um it was in in uh, collaboration with fuse tv Mm -hmm. and fuse tv was obviously doing tv stuff yeah and so a lot of that was uh kind of exaggerated or outright fabricated with editing which is a shame yeah you you hate to see it but Mm -hmm. um also part of tv yeah so um but they uh oh fuck i had a point i was making (laughs) um no they they went all around the world and their idea was to go to places that didn't get as much traffic as far as bands were concerned and so they wanted to go to weird, interesting places and play shitty, rundown venues in those weird, interesting places. Yeah, that's cool. Which is a fun idea. Yeah, that sounds like something we would do. Yeah, <laughs> I would. I would. I was just gonna say once we like, once my kids grow up and stuff, we can just like, uh, book shows at random places. Yeah. Just like, just do an old man world tour. Yeah. <laughs> like, who who are you? Uh, We've been a band for, like, 30 years. It's okay. We haven't been popular in, like, 30 years. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, we had a small, brief, tiny bit of local popularity. Local. (laughs) Very local. (laughs) It's a niche crowd, okay? So, yeah, they uh, had a lot of fun stuff that I, I recommend you go and watch it regardless just know that you know some of the drama is overplayed and like some of the like storylines are just outright faked because tv yeah but um the raw footage of it is really fun to watch like seeing no effects on a tv show is fun to watch yeah that's it's all good like it's it's fun for me i'm a big tv guy so that, that like seeing all the stuff I know was already like heavily edited and weird like yeah I'm expecting that yeah um but overall it was it was it was very good 
<laughs> good, good, good. It was very good. Um, <laughs> you trailed off, but your voice pitched up, and it was just <laughs> the weirdest thing. <laughs> uh, so, they did a 25th anniversary special performance and uh, had old members, Steve Kidweiler and Dave Casillas, come back and uh, just play for a night or a few songs for a night. That's cool. Yeah. Either way, it was it was pretty neat, and uh, they played three sold out shows: one in San Diego, one in Hollywood, and one in San Francisco. Yeah. Which is pretty rad. Uh, I mean, two thousand nine, so they've been nineteen eighty three twenty twenty six twenty six years. Yeah. So and then they sold out three. Yeah. Huge shows in huge places. That's pretty cool. Um. And then they released an album in April of that year, uh, Coaster. Coaster, another one of my all-time favorite albums. This is such a good fucking album, literally. Um, this is an album that it kind of... It, it's unsure of like if it has a message or not. It bounces back and forth between being like this happy-go-lucky kind of fun album um, with songs like like Eddie Bruce and Paul um creeping out Tegan and things like that um but it's also got like this this almost sociopolitical undercurrent where it's like you got songs like uh The Quitter Blasphemy the Victimless Crime Best uh, God and Show Best God and Show We Called It America um yeah like my Orphan Year, which is a terribly oh, sad song. That's a really good song. It's a terribly sad song. I love sad songs. Uh, um, but my favorite thing about this album is it starts off with with Melvin and Fat Mike um, being like, the leaves are weak. The leaves are weak? The fucking leaves are weak? You're weak. <laughs> and then just like doing this back and forth thing, and it's just, I don't know what the context is for that bit, but god damn it if I don't laugh every time I hear it. <laughs> That's fantastic. <laughs> uh. So that was the uh, same co producer, Bill Steven, who, uh, Stevenson, Bill Stevenson, who uh, worked with them for Wolves and Wolves Clothing. Mm -hmm. So, fun. Fun added little note here. Um, this was also the year they were added to the Warp Tour for 2009, and uh, they toured Australia and New Zealand with Bad Religion. Nice. So they were about. Yeah. And this is like when Warp Tour was cool. Right? Yeah, I went to Warp Tour the year after that, and uh, they were not there, and it made me sad. Aw. Yeah. Aw. Um, I saw the casualties, though, so that was cool. That is that is pretty cool. I also saw and met Real Big Fish. That's so also very cool. Pretty cool. <laughs> all of them? Yeah, aren't all there, of them. Aren't there a well, lot no, of Matt Wong wasn't there because, no, um, Real Big Fish is only a five-piece. Oh, I thought there were more of them. No, they're only a five-piece. Um, but Matt Wong, their bass player, was not there. He had actually just left the band uh, like a couple months prior because he had had his second or third child and decided that he wanted to be with his family. Fair enough. So that's a good reason. Yeah, it was really funny though because I validate your reason, sir, for leaving your band ten years ago. <laughs> um, it was really funny though because the whole time they played the new bass player guy, like 
was really like stage fright like he was really shy on stage <laughs> yeah and so he literally they had like this huge like double stack amp for his bass or whatever right and he stood behind it the entire <laughs> show like you could just see like the end of his bass sticking out of from behind the, the speaker and that's like all you could see of him the whole time <laughs> i relate to that <laughs> so uh Following that, uh, they, oh, it's still in 2009, they released an EP titled Koki the Clown. Uh-huh. One of both your and I's favorite things that NoFX has ever done. I absolutely love all the Koki stuff. Um, mm-hmm. This first one, uh, I actually am going to look up here. Ooh. Yeah, I've got the song list for it right here. Um, obviously, the Koki the Clown song. It's got the acoustic version of My Orphan Year, which is arguably the saddest version of any song ever written. <laughs> yeah. That is... That is... Uh, yeah. Um, uh, straight out of Massachusetts. But it has two of my other all-time favorite songs on it, which is Fermented and Flailing and then Codependence Day. Yeah. Both of those songs are so fucking good. So good. <laughs> They're really good. This whole album is... It's like, it's, a, it's an EP. It's five yeah, songs. Yeah, it's, a, it's an EP, but it's like... like maybe 15 minutes. Maybe. But just listening to it as a chunk is so fucking great and sad. Mm-hmm. There's a, there's a fucking awesome video of um, Koki playing, and I don't know if the crowd thought they were just getting an OFX show. <laughs> But they weren't ready for what Koki did. <laughs> and it was really like he just played, I think, this this album, uh, or this EP, these five mm-hmm. songs. Just played them all in a row. And people just got progressively more upset. <laughs> like, like mad at him. And it's one of the best pieces of footage I've ever seen. Like, they just were not looking to come out here and be depressed tonight, basically. And it's really funny. <laughs> It's funny because only the My Orphan Year is done acoustically, too. So the rest of these are actually, like, kind of peppy, get-up-and-go songs, but just, like, the saddest message behind them. Yeah. Uh, Fermented and Flailing is probably one of my favorite songs of all time. Just full stop. (laughs) It's so good. Beautiful. It's real good. Mm -hmm. The whole thing is... Yeah. It's fucking rad. Um... He's also got just the sweetest clown makeup. Oh yeah, yeah, and the the like hand drawnness of the artwork for it, uh, for that specific EP, just yeah. like that that picture. And yeah, like, it is so good. It's like a Renaissance painting of a clown, and it's beautiful. It's yeah, it's fantastic. I really like Koki. Um, so they did a. They did a compilation of EPs called The Longest EP, <laughs> which is pretty fun. Um, and then Fat Records released uh, No Effects The Spits. There's a slash in there. A split EP with Seattle, Washington band The Spits. Oh, I don't think I've ever listened to that. Uh, it contained two new songs from each band. Oh, I'm going to have to go find it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> All glory to the Hypno Toad. 
all. <laughs> um, yeah, see, this this is why I need to write the whole thing in advance. No, we'll just throw in more bits about Hypnotoad. Come on, do the noise. <laughs> uh, well, boom, boom, boom. I, now we're getting on into, like... This is going to be pretty close to Self-Entitled coming out, because that came out, I think... Self-Entitled came out about 2012. Because uh, it had just come out when I took my trip to San Francisco. And I listened to it pretty much the entire time I was there. So unless there was an album between that and Self-Entitled... Nope, okay, so... Novex released their 12th studio, studio album, Self-Entitled, on September 11th. 2012 Woo! nailed that one yeah um and self-entitled is by far one of my favorites it is another just beautiful album um it's got uh, once again a very like socio-political kind of uh, message behind it. You got songs like 72 Hookers, um, uh, the best Ronnie and Mags. Oh. 72 Hookers is like the best anti-war song I've ever heard. Oh, so is Ronnie and Mags. Oh, yeah. It's it's very good, but like the message is a lot more clear with 72 Hookers. Mm-hmm. Um, um, I Believe in Goddess is one of my favorite songs yeah. ever. Secret Society. She Didn't Lose Her Baby. All of the songs on the album. Sellout. Sellout. I love Sellout. Yeah. Yeah, um, she didn't lose her baby. It's really good. My sycophant others. This machine is four. You can play that song. I can play that song. Yeah, yep. I've got one jealous again. Again, that's another one of it's a sad song. That's one of my very favorite songs of all time. I used to know how to play Xmas has been X'd. We tried to do that once for a Christmas show. Yeah, it didn't go well. We didn't play it live because we didn't finish practicing it. No, it didn't go well. <laughs> we almost had it. Yeah, we just uh, didn't. <laughs> oh, and I fatty, of course. Yeah, uh, literally. I think we just named. Oh, down with the ship. This, yeah, like uh, it's the whole album is just. It, as you get farther on in this stage of no effects, all these albums have this beautiful melancholy to them. Like that's that's the one like theme, the tone that I keep getting drawn back to is I'm like thinking about these albums in succession and thinking about them like as as a whole instead of just was thinking about them as a singular albums, but then you branch out for that spider web and you think about them all interconnected and you see this this path that they've come through. And it starts off with this very brash, very in-your-face kind of fuck you, and obviously the partying fun stuff. And then you start getting into, like, the super socio-political stuff that they were, that Fat Mike was talking about, and, like, albums like The War on Errorism. And then from there, it's just this kind of, it gets very cynical. Uh, the songs become very melancholy they're still punk, they're still fast, they're still fun, they're still amazing songs, but there's this undercurrent of just apathy, I yeah. almost, a sad apathy, yeah. that it just becomes a little bit stronger with each with each new album. That's fair. Yeah, no, I feel that. Um, Some part of that might be that, uh, so, fun facts about no, uh, 
about no effects. Yeah, that. Fun facts about Fat Mike, specifically from No Effects, the band we're talking about. <laughs> if we hadn't made it clear at this point, <laughs> um, he like went to college, uh, like got his degree in I think business, mm-hmm. and like was college educated and like set up stuff for the future before he ever did any real drugs like he drank a little bit like okay a lot of it he drank but Mm -hmm. like he didn't do any real drugs until he was like 30 yeah and um i think part of the apathy and melancholy is coming from that um i'm trying to think of the name there's a song specifically where he talks about it um I like going to school. I didn't wanna fool around with drugs. All of my friends are dropping out. I know I've, I I know the song, but I don't know that. Yeah, I don't know it well enough. Yeah, I. But that he specifically talks about that, like yeah. how yeah, throughout the song, like kind of his life of like getting into drugs and things like that, like. Yeah. Um. But yeah, self-entitled is really very good. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't believe in God. I believe in God. I believe in worship. Um, I fucking love that song so much. Uh, so they did an anniversary tour for uh, Fat Records, selling celebrating 25 years in 2015. Um, which I think I heard on an interview from... Fat Mike, that it wasn't technically 25 years at the time. <laughs> which is pretty funny. And he was just like, yeah, nobody checks. <laughs> I, think it was, I think it was still 24. They just were ready to do the tour and like... Uh, fuck it. Yeah. Pull the trigger. That, that's very funny to me. Um, ooh, yes. Um, it's... July 19, 2016, the 13th album, First Ditch Effort, which mm-hmm. I like a lot. That was the name of the album we couldn't think of earlier. Uh-huh. And uh, this is where I start dropping off a little bit. Um, just to, I, in my own life, myself, I've not, I don't listen to the amount of music that I used to listen to. And so I am much, much less familiar with pretty much every album after Self-Entitled. Fair enough. Um they so that same year in April they'd released uh, No Effects, the Hepatitis Bathtub, and other stories. Mm-hmm. Um, and this, like I said earlier, does like coincide with the book. Yeah. And so there's a lot of really cool songs like that are like if if you listen to the book or read the book before mm-hmm. you listen to the album, you're like, oh yeah, I get that reference. But if you don't, it's just kind of like, this is a good song. Um, but uh, a couple of my favorites off this album, Six Years on Dope, which opens the album, and it's just fucking a hard track. It's good. Um, Sid and Nancy, uh, Oxymoronic, I Don't Like Me Anymore, uh, I'm a Transvestite. That's, <laughs> a, that's a top one for me. Um, probably top two out of this one. Um, Deadbeat Mom. Yeah. I like the song title, I'm So Sorry, Tony. 
It's sad. <laughs> That's a sad song. That's about Tony Sly. I probably it, I I gravitate to the sad songs, man. Yeah. I swear, I gravitate to those really just sad songs. It's because you don't know how to cry. <laughs> I'm like, this is good. I like this, and I just sit there and listen. To them. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'll get my emotions out through other people's emotions. Yes, yes, yes. And then I scream into a microphone. <laughs> just doesn't feel healthy. You should cry sometimes. Nah. Um, and this is also where I start to fall off a little bit, if I'm being honest, um, cause I started having kids around this time. Yeah. I had a kid and then things were hard to do anymore. <laughs> I'm finding a house, a place to live. I lived with my dad for a while with a very young child. Uh, we like, had a, our jam space was in your dad's living room. Yeah. <laughs> like... It was a whole thing, so... Because yeah. I had also moved at that time, and the jam space that was in my bedroom could could not lo- longer be there. Yeah. So. Yeah, so we moved it to fucking 15 minutes away from everybody else. <laughs> and had to set up the drums every time. Man. Yeah. That I'm, was a thing. I'm glad we're here now. Yeah, right? We've come so far. Yeah. <laughs> But, yeah, because of all of that, I started to fall off personally with, like, the more recent, like, especially, like, the singles and stuff that don't make it onto albums. I just generally don't find those. I know that's how a lot of people release and listen to music nowadays, is they just, like, find a couple-song EP or the latest single from the artist and just add that to their playlist, and that's cool, but, like... I'm very much an album guy. Yeah, yeah, me too. So if I see a thing has, like, two songs on it, I'm probably not even going to download it because, like, I don't know. It doesn't feel... here's a fun idea. And I know that there's at least one more album that you personally could talk about and probably would want to, but here's a fun idea then. Since we both kind of dropped off around around that time, why don't we just... um, we'll, We'll... plan on doing a second episode at some point in the future where we can just do these last few albums that have come out we can sit down and like listen to them and then come back with our our thoughts and ideas i don't hate that i don't hate that at all um um the one that i figured you could talk about because you've listened to it a fair amount would be the the koki album that yes, came out. and the Koki um, album isn't actually... Um, which I will talk about more once I actually sit down and do my own deep dive through it. But I know that you've listened to it a fair amount. Yes, it's uh, by far one of the saddest things I've ever listened to. Which is, means I'm going to love it. Yeah, it's super good. It's called You're Welcome. <sighs> um, but the whole thing is like... like if. If you're not a masochist, you need to be in the right mood for this. Like, no, I'm here for for all the emotional pain. <laughs> Give yeah. it to me. <laughs> so, um, I'm like Joker standing in the middle of the road, going, "Hit me, hit me." <laughs> there's there's a couple of songs that are just like, bathtub is like the opening track is just finding your partner in a bathtub, pretty much dead. And, like, just that experience, and it's so super slow and just sad. And, like, the whole thing is just, like... There's there's a couple of more slightly upbeat songs, like, in tempo. Mm-hmm. 
but the whole thing is sad and most of it is pretty slow um there's even a very slowed down version of uh down with the ship oh that's good which i know you would appreciate just in and of itself mm-hmm. um the, that time i killed my mom <laughs> which is uh for legal reasons uh fictional <laughs> but uh really recommend the book if you want a more in-depth explanation on that song <laughs> super oof, is what i have to say about that yeah. one yeah um heavy heavy stuff yeah but the whole thing like i said is uh negative real has um i have heard that song yeah you, you told me to go listen to that song and i went out of my way to actually go listen to that that one song and man i, I had to sit there for a couple minutes after listening to it just like Wow. Yeah, it's a, it's got a music video as well. It's very good, uh, but it it ends with a more uplifting song because it's punk rock saved my life, mm-hmm. and it like it kind of gives that vibe of like yes, all of this stuff has happened and all of it does suck a lot, but like punk's always been there for me. Yeah. And it's just a sweet, sweet message to end this depressing fucking album on. <laughs> uh, it's so good. I I cannot recommend this enough. And like I said, uh, Negative Real has a music video, so if you don't want to go depress yourself with a full album, I I get that, I guess. Right. <laughs> but Not everyone can, can bear the cross that I bear, you know? Yeah, just... Uh, <laughs> Just look up negative real and get depressed for a couple minutes instead. Um, there was one other thing I thought I wanted to talk about. Uh, oh yeah, I guess I guess we'll get to that when we do the part two of this one. Yeah, yeah. So um, this will be what uh, two thousand. What was the last album? It came out in two thousand sixteen. Yeah. Uh, first ditch effort first which ditch. i probably yeah. will still i'll probably go back and listen to that one too just because that's that's where i drop off of my knowledge so much so i i will probably go back and listen to that yeah give my thoughts on it when we come back yeah so this uh this part two will be um definitely a review of like the last uh couple albums they've done but um we'll probably also talk about like the other stuff yeah some more generalized knowledge and things yeah because there's a there's a lot of fun stuff no effects has done and like yeah we didn't yeah. really talk about a lot of it because it was all albums well, we had a lot to talk about just in that consider yeah. this your no effects primer okay yeah, <laughs> yeah. all right so that's been um a true nature rec- <laughs> having another one of those strokes that you have. yeah <laughs> This has been a true neutral retrospective oh, from the years 1983 to 2016. We will continue from 2016 to 2023 when we return. Thank you for joining us. Wow, that was very GLaDOS at the end there. I, <laughs> I just wanted to prove I could fucking speak. Uh, well, I hope that was entertaining, everybody. <laughs> Bye-bye. Bye-bye.